0: Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you are doing very well, staying safe wherever you are in the world. Andy and I discuss uh, the match from a couple of days ago against Fiorentina. First though, I have to mention our latest patron from Patreon, Johann Schoenfeldt, who you can find on Twitter at... J-O-H-A-N-S-C-H-O-N-F-E-L-D-T. Johan, thank you so much for your support. If you would like to join Johan and others by supporting our endeavors here over at Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Roma Press you can get extra episodes of the podcast and early access to the podcast as well so thank you to all of our patrons we greatly greatly appreciate your support uh, real quick before I bring Andy on a couple of notes on the transfer market and freaking. spoke to someone from Chelsea attacker Pedro's uh, entourage earlier this week he informed me that Done, dusted, he's going to be arriving. Uh, we've discussed that before. It, it just seems like it's one of those things that has lingered and we haven't really heard any official word, but it's done, he's arriving. Uh, I was told both uh, by individuals from his uh, from his entourage and somebody at Roma, what they plan on doing is immediately following his obligations with Chelsea, which are uh, this weekend uh, in their FA Cup final and then the following weekend, For their second leg of the Champions League, which I believe is the 8th of August. Following that, what Roma hope to do is to bring him in for his medical examination immediately following the season. So he can obviously undergo the medical, sign his contract, and then allow him to go uh, on holiday. So that's the plan as of now. Uh, If Chelsea were to progress in the Champions League, obviously the situation would change. Uh, Very fluid, but it's done. He's arriving. uh, And Roma, they want to bring him in immediately, allow him to go on holiday, and then bring him back uh, for when the new season, uh, for when the preseason for the new season begins. Uh, Then on the Friedkin front, um, I've been told that uh, within the next 30 to 45 days, there may possibly, possibly be a meeting in New York City between the Friedkin Group and Palota's men. Now, Palota continues to receive a ton of pressure from his investors to sell. Now, we're getting towards the end here where we've been hearing about groups from South America, the Middle East. We've been hearing all these rumors, but to date, here is the fact. There is one horse in this race to acquire Roma, and it is the Friedkin Group. That's it. We've been seeing all these other newspapers write about uh, Baldini reaching out to groups from Uruguay, from Kuwait. None of that has happened. Or, I'm sorry. Roma have been trying to field interest, but guess what? Nobody has formulated an offer. Nobody. Nobody. And Pelota needs to sell before the end of the year, and in order for a deal to close before the end of the year, he is going to have to reach an agreement with somebody within the next uh, within sixty days. We can say very difficult that you bring in a new investment group uh, or a new consortium, and they're able to do due diligence, they're able to agree on figures, and they're able to close before the end of the year. And again, we mentioned it on the previous podcast. Um, there was a previously approved capital increase of 150 million euros by Roma's board now 110 million of that has already been paid um, 90 of which was paid by Palotta and his men and then 20 million was paid by minority shareholders now that means there's 40 million left Palotta has to pay that himself before the end of the year now Friedkin uh, I wrote it in an article a week ago they are willing to pay that $40 million that remains for the capital increase, which is sort of another added uh, incentive for Pallotta, as we could say. I think August is when we see something move. I really do, because uh, Pallotta knows he's running out of time and he doesn't have many options. Again, at the moment, it's a one-horse race and it's fr- the Friedkin group and that's it. So, uh, I think within, again, I think within August, we see something here. Move one way or the other. We will see what happens. So, let me bring Andy on now as he and I discussed the match from a couple of days ago where Roma defeated Fiorentina in the league. So, uh, here is Andy now. Hello, everybody. Andy and I are back. We hope you are doing well. We hope you are staying safe. Uh, It is less than 24 hours after Roma's... We could call it controversial, I think, very easily. We'll call it, yeah. We'll just stick with controversial. Controversial two to one victory over Fiorentina. Yeah. Again, uh, quite a number of things you can take from it. Number of good performances. Some other performances that I thought were a little iffy. Um, if you go, if you were going by some of the ratings though, Andy in the newspapers. I don't know if you caught that. A lot of people took issue with Corriere uh, della who had uh, I. I think they gave Diawara a a 5.5 for his performance. And then there was another newspaper that gave Mancini a a 4.5, which... Listen, I, I thought Mancini... I, oh, no,
1: that was, that was still Corriere della Sera, my boy. Oh,
0: okay, so that was the yep. same one, okay. Yeah, listen, Mancini, I thought, was at fault on the goal. Uh, I don't think he was that bad. Real quick, before we start breaking this thing down, okay? And I I, I, I fully... I, I say this knowing full well the goal was not his fault. I just don't... Maybe it's because I'm still, like, living with the fantasy of Alisson in my head and we're used to making him these incredible saves but why does it seem like Paulo lopez can't pull an incredible save out of his out of his ass true
1: yeah i noticed that too uh that you know i mean i think the, the goal was you know it, it wasn't his fault definitely wasn't his fault but i can see what you're saying there it's you know the the instances where um he made a miraculous save looking back on it the date uh, pretty long time ago um We were talking about it previously. I mean, the last one where really uh, we got a result thanks to a performance by Paulo Lopez um, was, was the Bologna game.
0: Yes, I, so I'm glad you brought that up because I've been going through all the matches where I specifically can recall great performances and that is the last one where he genuinely put on something world-class, I guess we would say, something, a, a match where it was him and him alone that he was the reason why, why they took away the points. Now, for those of you who don't remember the Bologna match earlier in the season, Roma, they win 2-1 um, away to Bologna. Uh, Paul Lopez was a minute winner. Last-minute winner, Jacko had the header. But, and this sort of goes full circle. Do you want to know why? Now, the penalty last night was full robbery, right? I I think we can all admit that. I think we're all mature enough. Yeah, I think we are all mature enough to admit when our side is the beneficiary of a very controversial call, which that was. That was pure robbery. And I do feel a bit sorry for Fiorentina fans. But you know what? When I was watching those highlights from that match that paul lopez had against bologna you want to know why i don't feel bad go look at the penalty that bologna were given in that match because if you don't remember it was uh it was given against Kolodov. Kolodov gets the ball first and then i i forget who it was who trips over him but they award the other they awarded bologna a penalty on a absolutely unequivocally 1000% clean tackle by Kolodov. So, that's why I don't feel bad about last night. Um, you shouldn't feel bad either. We can admit that Roma were extremely lucky. We can admit that it was robbery. But you know what? I don't feel bad. Because for the last two years, uh, we've watched penalty call after penalty call uh, either not get whistled into Roma's favor or the other team gets a very dubious penalty. Um, Because I saw uh, Interfans, too, piping up. I go, okay, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because that match last year, that thing will haunt me for the next decade of my life. Okay, that performance by Rocky. So, I don't want to hear it. Again, we can admit that it was lucky, it it was robbery, but I'm, I'm not going to feel bad. I am absolutely not going to feel bad, and I'm not going to apologize. Because we have had to put up with this crap. Um, for the entire season. Because I think Roma, in terms of penalties and penalties against, I, I think it's been an absolute joke. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, you know, I think this is the first time this season where I actually feel like we got away with something. Um, even though, you know, we'll get to it later. But, the, the, you know, you just look at the game and Roma were the more dominant side. That is still no excuse. You, you come out of a game like this, I wish Roma had... Um, you know avoided uh, conceding that stupid goal where nobody was marking uh, Fiorentina players it, it, it seemed like we were marking each other and not the opponents
0: identical um, to the goal that they conceded against Inter no I, I mean it looked like a replay yeah. of it
1: yeah it's a, it's a, and again it's you know it's a it's a goal of pure stupidity you look at Spinazzola you look at Mancini you look at Jeco uh, you you know they're just standing around and Milenkovic you know as calm as ever. Um, gets to it and Roma also had a few a, a number of, of moments where they had to put the game away I'm looking at uh, Mikatarian having that ball just fly out inches away from from the post Kolarov with with the post um, then obviously led to the penalty so you know, I come away from a game like this thinking to myself, you know what, we we got lucky with the penalty, but it still was a game that was fully deserved, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, listen, I don't think anybody would argue, even though Roma were obviously the lucky beneficiary of a call, I don't think that anybody would argue against that they were the better side on the evening. You just, you just said it. Um, I don't even think we're... I don't even think this penalty comes into the question or comes into discussion yeah. if Mkhitaryan buries that chance. There were some other opportunities where I think Roma could have put the match away. They hit the, I believe they hit the post two or three times in that second half alone. So there were plenty of opportunities to put the match away. They didn't do it. It required a controversial penalty call. Uh, but again, I'm not going to to feel sorry. Uh, and the Roma supporters shouldn't apologize because, again, we've been on the the, the, the receiving end of calls like that. Uh, for far too long, and then you factor in the likes of like Lazio getting a penalty, for, you know, every other weekend. Did you see Immobile's latest one? Oh yeah, where he Verona? just
1: slides like a ballerina.
0: Oh my and, uh, word! And he they just want waits uh,
1: for it. It's uh, an art form.
0: And then, I mean, you got Sassiero, who basically has little to no ability except for drawing penalties. So I don't want to hear it. Uh, don't let anybody guilt you into feeling bad about this one. And the thing I find most hilarious is this talk about you saw all these capishers go on Twitter after and be like, well, look, according to the rule book, the match could be replayed. And then you had former referees saying saying that the match could be deemed uh, like like deemed null and void. (laughs) Give me a break. If that's the game we want to play, Roma would be sitting second or third place now.
1: There is, you know, there is this idea and I've read so many of these comments that I really, you know, you, you, you look at the people who come up with all these conspiracy theories and, and then you see what Italians can do with just the, the simple idea of football. It's incredible, you know, because Americans deal with conspiracy theories that have to do with war, religion, you know, space stuff. Italians just need football. Um, and they'll come up with, you know, the most... <laughs> so
0: Everybody's got JFK, the <laughs> exactly. moon landing.
1: Yeah. We have, you know, we have Milan fans who say that Roma are the, you know, the subsidiary of, uh, of Juve. They're the succursale. They're the so-called succursale. So the team sort of that... Juve take advantage of when they need, you know, uh, transfer in transfer market times, they need to sell a player or buy a player. They look at Roma and they say that, you know, we, along with Udinese, along with Genoa, we we got lucky because for many, many years now we get into Europa um, just because we are friends with Juve. Um, same way as Genoa avoids relegations because because they're friends with Juve. So this is a whole new level of conspiracy theory stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous because at the end of the day, I've seen weekend in, weekend out, uh, these teams uh, with the stripes on, doesn't matter if it's Inter, Milan, Juve, um, get away with, you know, with this sort of stuff uh, on a regular basis and, um And, you know, and as again, this is, these are games, you know, you know, what's funny is that Roma get these lucky calls when these matches are meaningless.
0: Exactly. Here's the thing I love. Everybody, or not everybody. I saw many Milanisti going on Twitter afterwards and saying, oh, uh, what did this one guy say? The system is trying to save Roma. And I'm like, hold on. Wait, wait, what? And he, and he basically alluded to that they were handed this penalty to help accounting purposes. Now, I have some bad news for this guy. I don't know if anybody told him this, but do you know what the revenue difference between the Europa League and the Champions League is? I have yeah. some very, very bad news for this guy because he's going to be shocked when he finds this out because uh, Milan look like they're going to the preliminary rounds of the Europa League. But uh, he's going to be in for a good shock when he finds out that basically you make next to nothing and we don't know if we're even going to have fans in the stadiums for next season's edition of the Europa League. So oh, yeah. I loved how many of the Milan fan base turned into accountants overnight. Did you catch that?
1: Yes, of course. Well, that happens with, you know, with every fan base that feel like they get screwed by something, but Milanisti lately are um, incredible at spinning the story and um yeah it was it was pretty funny to watch the meltdown because again this is meaning i uh, you know uh, there is a point where I, I you know we we sort of came came to the conclusion that yeah roma are not just you know they're not getting they're not getting champions league and this is you know the fate they're facing we already know that they are going to get europa league of some kind if it's going to be the preliminaries or not um so you know, this is. I think it's 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 sad to see again a, a team like Milan and Milanisti um, fighting over who should uh, be playing uh, Europa League preliminaries. Um, I find that really <laughs> just incredibly hilarious, especially because I grew up in the era where Milan were just so devastating as a team and now we we are in the same position and uh, making up conspiracy theories just because somebody got a whistle and the other one didn't
0: to see them reduced to this is uh it was very sad but again Europa League is not going to help Roma's financial situation finishing in the Champions League place is not going to fix Roma's financial situation so I don't know where all the junior accountants from Deloitte, uh, who just happen to be Milan fans, were going with that yesterday, but I can assure you that whether Roma finished 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, or 8th, or 17th, uh, nothing would have fixed their financial situation unless they somehow win the lottery. So uh, can we please stop with that? That is absolutely absurd. Um in fact, I even wasted time discussing that with individuals yesterday, one of whom probably was older than my father, was very, very odd. So, the same guy who said Milinkovic Savic
1: had signed for Milan a year ago.
0: <laughs> and, and the thing I laughed at, too, the one guy who tweeted at me, he said the system is trying to save the system is trying to save Roma. And I go, wait a minute. Is this the same system that allowed for Yong Hong Lee to become the owner of Milan, the guy who pulled... The biggest pyramid scheme in recent memory in all of football. Come on. Give me a break. <laughs> Absolute joke. Um, as far as that match goes yesterday, though, um, I think we're starting to get more clarity as to who fits, who doesn't fit going forward in this team. I'm not going to say who, or maybe we will. Wow. Because, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so, okay. So, I didn't think Pellegrini was that bad yesterday. I really didn't. Um, was it because he got his nose broken? Uh, maybe I do have a bit of sympathy for him. Uh, that might okay. be it. But I don't think he was that bad yesterday. Now, I thought I thought his runs were a bit better. I thought he was trying to be a bit more progressive with the ball. Um, but it's still, it's like when they get into that final third, it's like, Their minds, like, have you ever seen that meme, and I think it's from The Simpsons, where it shows the clapping monkey with the... Yeah, what's going...
1: I I use that meme all the time. Yeah, so
0: the monkey with the symbols, clapping the symbols in Homer's mind. That's basically how I think Pellegrini, Jekyll, even at times, I feel like that's how their brains get when they get into the final third. Because I'm sorry, with the amount that they created up until actually scoring a goal yesterday... They should have had at least two or three um, they did have to. They should have had at least three goals. Um and, and for me that's not even counting Mikatarians. I just don't get and maybe maybe you feel differently on this, but I feel like again, if you took Jekyll, you took Mikatarian out of this team, uh Roma could play for uh, you know, five hundred minutes and I don't know if they would score a goal. No, I absolutely agree with you. And it's,
1: you know, yesterday, everybody, you know, uh, Pellegrini was slow. Dzeko was so slow. And the, I think the fact that he got that penalty was because he was slow at getting at that ball. I, I don't think the, the goalkeeper was the slow one. I think it was Dzeko. Dzeko should have been there much sooner. It just, and, you you know, we talk about the differences uh, between players. And, you, you know, you see Mkhitaryan creates stuff by himself. And even on his day, you know, on on his bad days, he he knows how to do that because he's that good of a player. Meanwhile, Jako knows how to be, uh, you know, either, even on bad on bad days especially. And I think I count yesterday as a bad day because even though he had that header that sort of put Mancini in front of goal, and Mancini again uh, squandered it. Uh, jako yesterday had one of those lazy days and. When him and Pellegrini don't get on, as you said, this team can play without an end, and they will never score. And that's the most preoccupying thing going in, you know, going into the Europa League, going into this new transfer market. Is that we've said this many times: this team needs scores. They need consistent scores because you can't count on Jako having a good day as he's nearing. I believe thirty-five years of age or something. Is it, how old is Jako? I forgot. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, thirty. So you can't count on him because he's going to have more bad days than good ones. Uh, you can't. You can't. You evidently can't count on Pellegrini because as soon as he sees the frame of the goal, he shits his pants. Um, <laughs> you have to pray for to Mary and Joseph for uh, Bruno Perez and Spinazzola to have a good game where they at least get a shot off and i think Spinazzola had a good game yesterday um, he had I agree. some int- yeah he had some really interesting stuff going on there and and you know some of the more interesting chances that we had were thanks to him so this team besides Z- zagnolo and mckitarian right now and Vertu, who uh, turns out to be the perfect perotti replacement when it comes to penalty taking um so bye bye pirotti because that was really the only thing we really needed him yeah. for. Uh, <laughs>
0: you take that away from him he offers it. nothing
1: <laughs> that's it so i think this is the big this is the big question mark is how how can we go on um and who can we find to to sort of support this team in in goal scoring because evidently you know carlos perez as exciting as he is doesn't look like the kind of guy that can really provide you with You know, game in, game out. Something that may turn into a goal. Um, Clivert and Under are clearly out of the project. My gosh, Uh, I know we
0: talked about that a couple of episodes ago. Holy shit! Where are they? Roma, they're better. They're better off instead of putting uh, the training (laughs) bibs on those guys. Just put a for sale sign on them from now on. Yeah,
1: it's incredible. Like uh, this is, you know, and it's. We at the beginning we thought, hey. Is it because they don't, you know, they don't have a good attitude? They don't, you know, they're not in a good mood or something. But, you know, I I, I even forget what Cengiz looks like. So that tells you everything we need to know about Roma transfer market plans when it comes to sales.
0: It's really bizarre um, because I, I really thought somebody like Cliver could potentially help unlock that sort of match where... You don't really have... When you have Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini, Jekyll, you really don't have anybody who's a threat with their speed. Now, Clivert, he's sort of like Perotti in the sense that if you take away his speed, I, I, I really I really don't know what much else he's offering. Um, but it does feel like somebody like him, in an instance that we saw last night, could have come in handy to unlock that match. And I, I really am curious as to their approach here because... Okay, Baldini, he's asking 35, 30 million euros for, for Under. Clivert. Uh, I don't know. I What did Roma pay for him? 17, just below 20? Yeah. yeah. I, I oh, yeah. really, I I I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a club who would be willing to pay 25 million euros for him, right? I, I mean, has he gotten exponentially better since arriving? I find that difficult to believe.
1: Well, definitely, he's not worth as much as Chengiz. I... Maybe, you know, we have to pray that perhaps his father um, is is getting nostalgic about childhood days, <laughs> so he wants to take care of him at his new club, perhaps, if he signs with Barcelona. But otherwise, I don't know what clubs uh, are looking at Clivert. Besides some, you know, bottom-of-the-barrel Premier League clubs like uh, Everton, I guess, with clubs that drift in mediocrity, Um and I know I'm talking as a Roma fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm aware. I'm aware of the hypocrisy, but it's he's that kind of player. And you know the fact that uh, he, you know he's there with Chengis sitting instead, and, and Fonseca prefers to utilize uh, even Zapacosta. We've seen more more of Zapacosta than we've seen of Cliver and Chengis. Right, that tells right. you everything we need to know. Uh, these are two guys that. Probably are not even you know you know based on their character they're not even um, you know as reliable as we think they would be in a situation like this meaning they're probably happy that they don't get to play anymore. I mean they're they're probably looking at you know a, a few days of rest and then who knows maybe a new team and um, Cheng is getting closer to Napoli by what we heard uh, so. There is really no reason. And this is what worries me about going to the Europa League, that if by some miracle we get through um, with Sevilla, who are our options going forward? Because again, you know, this this whole thing with Pellegrini, who unfortunately he's become, you know, he, he's not a factor in this team. In this current position, as he plays, he's not a factor. And Zagnolo clearly doesn't have 90 minutes in his legs. We'll see if that changes with Sevilla. But who else do you have? Who else besides Mkhitaryan can you put up front and say, okay, now go out and do something? Because Carlos Perez, sometimes we see him, brill- sometimes we see him play brilliant football. Sometimes he gets one episode right and so on. Um, and then who else? Who comes off the
0: bench? Uh, Zapacosta?
1: Uh, I, pastore is pastore still alive is i, I was I, just th-
0: about to say i i i requested to roma <laughs> uh a photo of him holding yeah. today's edition of <laughs> uh, Corriere dello sport because i am not even sure they don't even pan to him on the bench anymore and he so... played the
1: first game like he, he <laughs> played the first <laughs> game back against sampdoria and then out boom gone
0: well, it's weird, too, because you would think uh, with the roster, listen, maybe maybe we don't think Roma had as much depth after this break as maybe we, we initially thought. But I thought, listen, we, we know he is essentially a dead asset for Roma. We get that. There's no need to pile on anymore. He gets paid a lot. Roma paid a lot for him, has offered close to nothing, always injured, made a glass, blah, blah, blah. But the fact he's available and not even making these 20- to 30-minute cameo appearances, I thought those would be perfect for him, to be quite not honest even Paul. Not even against Spal.
1: Not even against Spal.
0: Well, I thought perfectly for him, he could play in this role where he's like the first man off the bench, like the sixth man, so to speak, uh, to use a basketball phraseology. Yeah, that was his role at PSG when we all thought
1: that he was finished. That was still his role. Now, hes I, I think he's in the locker room just listening to uh, Katy Perry.
0: <laughs> it's it's just weird because uh, we see Pe- – there's a clear hierarchy being formed now, right? I, I mean, if Pellegrini comes off, it seems like Perez or Zaniolo is the one coming on. Same thing with Mkhitaryan. One of those two we know yep. is coming on. Pastore doesn't even even seem to factor in, which I find very uh, very bizarre because I, I actually think of a 3-4-2-1 playing behind yep. the striker. I think he has the qualities to do well in that role. Now, again, I'm not going to say he's going to come on, be a world beater, blah, blah, no. blah, blah, um, blah. He's
1: still a player. He, he still gets paid to play and hasn't played a minute since that game against Sampdoria.
0: So do you think this is a clear sign? Do, do you think this is Fonseca doing something? Do you think this is management uh, telling him, like Fienga is, saying, hey, don't play these yeah. guys. We're, we're trying to sell them. I, I mean, something has to be going on because this is not – I mean these are I, guys who are playing significant roles before I, the break yeah, yeah. I mean I,
1: well listen there is a situ- there is a similar situation at Juventus I say similar because it's not exactly the same uh, Pjanic we all know it had been communicated that Pjanic will become a Barcelona player right um and Pjanic was one of the uh, one of Juve's best player up until the lockdown and then he plays a few matches post lockdown and then there is the communique that says he he's become a, a Barcelona player. And from right. then on, he hasn't played a single minute, you know, uh, even though he's fully fit. And, he, you know, they say this in the past games, they said he had a problem with the with the foot or something. Well, in like
0: fairness, he did play against Samp last night. Well, yeah, but still, but that's what I done and dusted at that point.
1: Exactly, but what I meant is similar to what we've we've seen with Clivert I mean, Clivert right, I don't... Right, right, exactly. The last game he started, I don't even remember. The same goes for Cengiz. And yes, we've seen Clivert play 15 minutes against uh, Spal. But again, Clivert Cengiz, uh, Pastore, these are clearly players that are looking at leaving Roma, um, and perhaps rightfully so it's but it's still weird to see that a, a squad a team that desperately needs depth um with this kind of schedule where you play every three games and you need goal scorers these guys are are like
0: out they're not they're not part of it it's very bizarre um and i'm kind of shocked that we haven't seen now he hasn't he has been asked about it for again. He said, well, uh, I don't want to change much right now. They got to keep working hard. They're still important, blah, 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 blah. I just don't know how you can keep saying that when clearly these guys aren't even factoring in his mind. So I don't know what he's thinking with this. But it's, again, it's certainly bizarre. I, I'm To be quite honest with you, out of all three, I'm shocked that Pastore isn't the one getting the time. Because I thought, okay, under... Clivert. Okay, maybe they have suitors elsewhere. They want to sell them. I I, I could understand that, but yeah, pastore but is
1: waiting for Pastore. I mean, not even his landlady. You know?
0: <laughs> but but it's just it's just weird because for all of the criticism that we give him, I think most of it has to do with a wages, b fee paid for him, and c injuries. None of it. The criticisms tor- t- towards Pastore during his time at Roma, at least, very rarely have to do with what he's doing on the pitch. Um, again, most of it has to do with him not even being available and more or less stealing a wage because he's he's, he's been injured 80% of his time here. I'm just surprised that you, you you clearly, again, have a hierarchy here forming with Zaniolo Perez coming off the bench. I just thought for the qualities he possesses and – whether we like it or not, Pastore still can. I, I still firmly believe he has a goal or two in his in his feet. I'm just surprised in this new formation that he doesn't get any consideration, and I'm quite surprised that uh, none of the other newspapers or websites are really pressing Fonseca on that. Because I uh, I can understand if you have at least advanced talks with Cliver and Under in place. Okay, I, I can understand that. But Pastore, I I mean, I've been told nobody has even formulated an offer for him. So unless there's something I'm missing here, uh, unless Pastore did something behind the scenes that hasn't leaked out yet, I'm... I really don't understand this at all um it just kind but of wouldn't seems
1: like... we wouldn't we be hearing about if you know if he had for example refused to play, wouldn't we be hearing that he's been fined or something like that That's the bizarre part is that they don't play but we don't hear anything from the club itself
0: yeah it it's very very bizarre um and and I would like some clarity on that but we'll uh we'll see from Roma um Okay, well, the Roma, they go away to Torino later in the week. Or is it on the weekend they play? Isn't it? No, it has to be. We're always so well prepared. I know. See, (laughs) we we do. Okay. So Wednesday, see, I was looking ahead to the Juve match. So Wednesday, they're away to Torino, and then they are away to Juve on Sunday. Uh, And then next Thursday, the 6th of August, is Sevilla. Which who even knows if that'll happen now? Because did you see Banega from of Sevilla? Of course. Oh uh, man,
1: that wouldn't be that be like I I know it's unlikely, but it wouldn't be amazing to 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 have the victory without even playing against the side that had to. <laughs> Had to isolate because of Panega, who went to a club without a mask on. Mongo, and people.
0: Mongo de Qua. I should, ugh, I, I lost that clip of Austini saying that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for anybody who missed it, the Sevilla midfielder, if, if I read it correctly, he went to a club without a mask. Yeah. And, no, and,
1: and, and 12 people in that <laughs> club on yeah. that same
0: night contracted COVID. So, so um, we don't know what what the repercussions of that may be. Um, Now, granted, this I I would assume something has to come of it because if Napoli can uh, make a complaint against Roma because they weren't uh, far away enough on the bench during the match, then I would assume Roma would be able to bring some sort of complaint to UEFA about this, saying it's unsafe. I don't know, Um, because if, if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, that is less than two weeks away. And we've been hearing anytime you come into contact with somebody, regardless of where you are in the world, you have to quarantine for at least two weeks. So I don't know how that's going to work, but that would be hilarious if (laughs) it's 10 days away. It's 10 days away. It's 10 days away. Uh, We draw Sevilla. We're so excited because we get to see Monchi again. Right. We want to (laughs) uh, we want to see Roma exact their revenge on the tortoise. Um, And then uh, the match ultimately gets canceled because one of the players goes out to a nightclub where a dozen others uh, tested positive for the virus. So uh, who knows? But that would be hilarious if that actually did happen. So uh, we will be back after the match against Torino and then before the match against Juve. So uh, we appreciate you listening for joining us. It means so, so much. Uh, And we will talk to you in a few days. So until then, ciao. Ciao.